0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmear's Day, February 7th, 2022. On the show today, news, listener questions, and food chit-chat with Christina. In our main segment, Jim continues the history of Epcot's Communicore attractions, which was last visited by guests on January 31st, 1994. Let's get started by bringing in the man who says that it's okay not to have a valentine on valentine's day because most of us don't
1: have a shark during shark week it's mr jim hill jim has it going it's going great len are you familiar with christina zanato name ring a bell at all or no it doesn't she's this professional diver a member of the explorers club a very familiar with the caribbean reef sharks because she's been leading dives in an area for 25 years mm-hmm. she's removed over 300 hooks from sharks in that time. Uh, there are these absolutely amazing videos from the dodo that you can watch and she's wearing her shark bite impervious dive suit and the sharks just (laughs) swarm all over her, not in a, we're going to eat you now kind of way, but in a big, goofy, golden lab kind of mom's home. (laughs) You watch the video, the sharks are circling and actually fighting to get in close to her because they want to be petted. Plus, of course, there are these sharks that swim in that have hooks and fishing lines dangling out of their mouths who kind of hover next to Christina if to say, hey, my friend told me about you. You do the thing with the pliers. Could you, could you help me out here <laughs> that is fantastic and i love videos like these where you see these supposedly fearsome sea creatures like moray eels who look all scary and have these vicious reputations but then go on to bond with specific divers and to go out to visit and they swim up and like oh who's a good boy the moray <laughs> eel is a good boy <laughs> but no i love stuff like that also on the show
0: today we have a special guest it is christina from touringplans.com back with more park food and fun welcome christina
2: Hello, thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. Awesome. All right, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Big Shem13, Kevin Cohen, and RG Gamer, and longtime subscribers Steve Olam, Mike Down, and Aaron Dariano. Jim, when Disney asked these cast members to come up with a breakfast menu for their new wilderness lodge, their first few attempts did not go well at all. Then one day, as they were sitting between piles of construction dirt, a wisp of wind passed by some rebar and made a noise that sounded like, add more butter and bacon. And Whispering Canyon was born. True story. I, I totally buy that. I really do. <laughs> it's how it happened, Jim. It's how it happened from the people who were there. Sounds
2: right. <laughs> it sounds right. Exactly. That's right. I buy this. It's,
0: Same thing here. <laughs> All right, folks, let's do the news. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, big news this week is that Disney's Hollywood Studios is joining the extended evening theme park hours lineup in April. So on Wednesday, April 13th, which is typically the day for the Magic Kingdom, Mm -hmm. uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios will be doing its first ever Extended evening theme park hours. So I'm not sure if this is just a park for park swap for one day, Jim,
1: or uh, if this is the start of having three evening parks. What, have you heard anything on this? I would like to take a look at what's going on at the Kingdom that night. You know, the corporate party, private function. something. Yeah. yeah. It's just the one day as far as I can tell right now. Just one isn't really a canary in the coal mine, but it does does suggest some interesting questions. So, do you remember we got sent those videos from the folks staying in the DVC next to the Contemporary, where they were standing on their balcony filming the Kingdom at night, and they heard the music not only from Wishes... Wishes, and, and yeah... And, and was it enchantment? And happy, was it, happily ever after. Happily ever after, yeah. And it was just what. Okay, what's going on in there? And it's just sort of like some tech billionaire. It's like I want him back for one night. Here's the dough. Do it, you know. So and and Christy, you confirmed that, didn't you? Yep.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. It's true. So it was. Uh, it was apparently with enough money, they will shoot off the fireworks to any music you want.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: That's goals right there. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. I, I was about to say, Len, I'm just saying two <laughs> words, and Van Halen, you know. So. <laughs> I mean, now that we know that it's possible, Jim, There we go. <laughs> yeah. Do it, do
2: it, do it. And we'll be at the, the first um, extended evening hours. I've got my reservation all set for Hollywood Studios. We've done Epcot and Magic Kingdom, so I'll be there.
0: Cool. For the 13th. All right. Yeah fantastic yeah. fantastic looking forward to it and you've done really well with the uh, evening hours you've gotten a lot of stuff done especially at uh, at epcot wasn't it um wasn't the big thing at epcot the distance between the attractions was uh, attractions was the limiting factor in how many things you could do in 2 hours yeah
2: I think it was like 400 miles between each thing yeah yeah <laughs> so what the we yeah. yeah. were That's talking
0: about like, yeah mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. yeah all right jim we had uh, some surveys that got sent in phil sent mm-hmm. in an interesting disney survey asking why he didn't book a disney hotel for his upcoming stay. So we've talked about this before, but if you go onto the Disney website and you um, you explore hotels for specific dates, but then don't book, you'll get a follow-up survey. Uh, and this one was interesting because the questions were slightly different. The first one that Phil got was, which of the following describes the main reason for making your website search last month? I was seriously considering making a booking to stay in a Walt Disney World Resort. I was possibly considering a stay I really had no int- intention of making a booking at that time, and Phil said that he was seriously considering it. Uh, the next question then was, which hotels did you search availability and pricing for during your website visit? As if Disney didn't already know that, Jim. But whatever.
1: Mm, just so you, just
0: you, you
1: confirming the confirmation. So you okay.
2: exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: So then you select the hotels. Then there was uh, they ask about a bunch of preferences. Why did you book? Mm -hmm. these particular rooms. So um, there were questions on like the room view, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, garden, theme park view, so on. There was a specific Walt Disney World Resort I wanted to stay in and so on. And then the Mm -hmm. uh, last couple sets of questions, which of these would you say you seriously considered booking when you learned the price? And this is the new question that we haven't seen before. And Mm -hmm. it lists all of the options that you explored. Phil selected none of these. I seriously Mm -hmm. considered none Mm -hmm. after I learned the price. And then, of course, the answer is uh, the next question is why. So the options that Disney gives for this question is um, the specific rooms or resorts weren't available. Uh, I couldn't do the trip the way I wanted with you know the accommodations, the number of days, and so on. There isn't enough new there to see or do. I just can't afford it. I can't afford to take that much time off of work. Getting to Orlando is too expensive. It's too crowded. My party size is too large or I can't fit into a standard hotel room. Other people in my household didn't want to go. It's just too difficult to plan a Walt Disney World trip. A good deal is never offered to visit Walt Disney World or health and
1: safety concerns. So I haven't seen that one before. Have you, Jim? That last set of questions? No. I'm, I'm especially intrigued by the whole there's not enough new there to do or see. And you're right, mm. the, the health and safety concerns. But I think you and I have talked about this in the past. Disney doesn't write a survey unless they're looking for an answer ahead of that survey. Yeah, they, there's a
0: specific problem that they uh, that they are trying to answer, right?
1: Yeah. So any thoughts after looking over this set of questions, what they're trying to zero in on?
0: I really think that they're, that they're uh, focused now on the cost. And we've talked about the lack of traction that anything related to the 50th has got. I mean... Mm-hmm. Jim, what, uh, if I had to say right now, what, what's the uh, the biggest guest satisfaction thing coming out of the 50th? What would it be? It would have to be
1: Spaceship Earth.
0: That's what I think.
1: <laughs> that's what I would get. The lights on Spaceship Earth. Yeah. Yeah. It amazes me how often I'll go over to Twitter and Instagram and somebody is just standing there capturing that whole thing as if this is the most gorgeous thing they've seen in their entire trip and well, Chrissy, you, you, Chrissy you've got to have seen the same thing I mean the, the whole notion of yeah. you're, you're trying to leave the park or get into the park and you're surrounded by that group of people who are holding their phones up as if they're making an offering to the god of spaceship earth. I, I am that
2: people Jim. Oh, <laughs> I have two phones and I the first night that the Muppet one came out I, I was went live for mm-hmm. the very first show and I cried so loudly through all of it that I. Had to stay for like four more shows to get Uh, a clean version.
1: When that went up that night. That was just beautiful. You did a great job. Beautiful. So yeah,
0: good stuff. Um, also a survey from Jennifer where uh she's doing a split stay at Inbalkin Lodge in Port Orleans French Quarter, got this question. How did you personally arrive at Disney's Port Orleans Resort French Quarter? By rental car, personal car camper or RV, by a Disney cruise line bus, by a non Disney bus? By Taxi Limo Shuttle on Demand non Disney car service or other. So Jim,
1: they're they're still looking at uh, why people or how people are getting to the resort, right? Given the way Disney monitors social media and what's being said, they are not pleased with whenever anybody talks about is is it's the Sunshine Express? Is that what the new service is called? It's the new one, yeah. Okay.
2: Sunshine Flyer, yeah.
1: Even when people talk about, yeah, I did it, it was fine, but they then sort of go out of their way to go back and and bash the fact that the Express has been shut down. And it's just one of these Mm -hmm. things where it's like, okay, when does this recede? Normally, when you're dealing with a PR crisis, there's this kind of a half-life, kind of the effect of, okay, we did it and it hurt, but people are talking about it less and we're done. And the thing yeah. with with Magical Express is they're still talking about it. Yeah. Even yeah. In, <laughs> there, there, there's
0: an entire regions of the country with families who have yet to discover that this particular benefit has gone away. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, you're right. You're right, though, Jim. I went to the airport the other day to check mm. out Sunshine Flyer, and oh. all I have to do is post one thing on Instagram or on Twitter, and then the whole rest of the day is spent answering questions and agreeing, yes, it's terrible. Yes, I wish it would come back. Yeah. You're right.
1: Yeah, it's just it, it. It's this hornet's nest that won't calm down. But the new thing set up. Look, new thing, new thing.
2: Nobody you know, cares. Nobody <laughs> cares. There we
1: go. So, hey, Christy, you uh, you tested this in the last week, right?
0: What was that? What was the thing that Mears took off of their website? Oh the, the, man! The All right, 20-minute so
2: I was there in December. I was there two or three times in January, and then I went again on Monday time is meaningless it was like monday or tuesday i don't remember yeah. and
0: it was a Schmerz Day. Mm-hmm. you remember it well. day. you remember it well
2: <laughs> sorry so yeah so i was checking out the mears connect because it's the the cheapest obviously they have the highest number of buses and all that stuff so originally their express service for up to four passengers and that includes your baby $200 round trip um, and it wasn't private, but it was guaranteed that you would go direct to your resort. In most cases, it was private because I sat for – it's probably like a total of 11 hours now, timing people. And I wanted to see how long it would take them from the minute they check in until their bus left. Express, very fast. A few days into January, I discovered that they changed the price from 200 to 250 Still four people, babies yeah. included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still the exact same process, but they raised the price. So the other day I was there – and I'm timing buses and one or two got off, you know, 23 minutes. They've never been at 20 minutes. And they originally said, we'll have you on your way to your resort within 20 minutes of check-in. So that's what I was timing. I had two stopwatches going, right? So like you pick a person, you pick a family when they check in and you just sit. And I, and I tell them what I'm doing. I don't want them to think I'm the creepy lady hanging out. I'm not trying to get arrested again at uh, the airport. Again. It ain't never been arrested yet. So. I tell them what I'm doing. And then I time to see how long it takes for them to get to the bus. And then how long does it take for the bus to leave? And they've never been at 20 minutes, but they had that promise on the website. But it was always around 20 minutes. Well, the other day, I noticed it was like after 830, it was getting longer and longer and longer and longer. Finally, we were like at 42 minutes from one bus. And I thought, there is no way. So I went on the website to find the promise and it's removed. Ah. Now basically. As, you know, we'll get you there. Shut up, you paid $16. I'm I'm summarizing. Yeah. But
0: I, <laughs> this maybe, to, maybe this isn't a direct quote. Uh,
2: yeah, this is my interpretation of what they're saying. They're like, just come on, you don't have another choice. It's $16, get on the bus. So yeah, two huge changes, price increase, and then a really big change. So there were some people, and that was a family that I timed that got on the bus, and there was already somebody on the bus because I saw luggage in the cargo hold. So there was somebody that waited longer than 42 minutes to take off.
0: Yeah. I think at that point I, w- I would just, I would just take an Uber.
2: Cry. Well, but you can't, some people can't. If you have yeah. an ECV or you have a stroller, you've got three kids, mm-hmm. you know, ton of baggage, like you can't. And then if you've already paid your 16 yeah. person, I mean, I,
0: I just, I just don't think we were at a, a, a solution that's comparable to magical express yet.
2: There you go. That's yeah. a good way to say it. I know. You're right.
0: All right. Let's uh, do some listener questions. Here's one from Paul who says, "Uh, I'm holding back on booking my next visit to Walt Disney World until the dining plan returns. Of course, with staffing and supply chain issues, the situation with the dining plan is still very much up in the air. But the Walt Disney Company has gone radio silent since they gave a it's coming back eventually statement eight months ago. Have you heard anything about when the dining plan is coming back again? Jim, have you heard anything?
1: Everything I've heard suggests that the problem is the international travelers that are friends from the UK who just enthuse about, you know, I booked my Disney trip because they offered this wonderful dining package for our market and we came over. And when you have that market segment that still is dealing with COVID issues and with visa issues and and that sort of thing, it's just sort of like... How can we turn the key on this if the market segment, this literally powers when people decide to book their their Orlando vacations? It's just sort of like, why turn the key on that when the group that we designed this for isn't able to come over yet, at least in the Uh numbers that we want? And so that's the other thing I think people who get the dining plan, especially here in the States, need to understand you're kind of... The tail on the dog, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're the one booking the package and taking advantage yeah. of the fact that it's offered, but it's being offered to entice an entirely different market segment in a different part of the world. And they feel like they don't need to turn that on just yet because they can't realistically offer it to people who can't fly over here with any confidence. So
0: they, they would be getting the international travelers that it's designed for. There we go. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Here's one from, uh, from Sean. He says, my wife and I are going down to Walt Disney World on March 12th, and we desperately want to eat at Space 220. Is it possible to arrive at park opening and get in line and potentially get a walk-up? I don't mind waiting in a line to surprise her, but I jumped on the Disney dining website every day at the 60-day mark at 5 a.m. Texas time, and I can't get anything, not even at the lounge. I was thinking Christina did the waiting in line deal, but they they might have been just for the opening of the restaurant. Any help Mm -hmm. or trick? would be appreciated so I could make it up to her. Not to mention it'll be our 21st wedding anniversary and this would make for a nice surprise. So Chrissy, is it possible to just walk up and ask for a table? It seems like that would be the best strategy.
2: It feels like the best strategy is not to go to Space 220. At all. At all. I'd skip it. After our second trip there, uh, Citrico's is way better.
0: Sean, we're about to save you some money. So, <laughs> uh, Dude,
2: yeah. it's not worth it. Don't do it. You're going to be upset and you're going to feel rushed and you're going to spend a fortune. And it breaks my heart to say it because I loved it so much the first time. It is not the same experience. It is oh, yeah? absolutely not worth the money. Can what would you uh,
0: recommend in Epcot?
2: Literally anything else. Le Cellier is never a letdown to me. Plus, he should be using the Reservation Finder. Uh, mm-hmm. It's free on the Touring Plans website. Um, you can use that if you need to get a reservation somewhere. Uh, La Hacienda is fantastic.
0: Ooh, La Hacienda. Uh,
2: Tepanito. I mean, name it. It's better.
0: And then you and I went to Shula's, uh, <gasps> last week and it was delicious.
2: Let's go to Shula's and you don't need reservations for the bar. And it's so wonderful.
0: I had, um, oh, so we went with a couple of friends and I think we, we were trying to all order different things. I ended up asking the the waiter, like, what steak do I order if I want the most flavorful steak? Like, I don't care about price. I don't care about tenderness. I want, like, the most flavorful steak. And I, uh, so he suggested.
2: Okay. And, uh, everybody knows you're the smart one, and I'm the cute one. <laughs> Fine. It's totally fine. Yes, you did the right thing. Don't go for what you think. Listen to that. You you were right. Yeah, and it was the best.
0: He, he recommended the twenty ounce ribeye, Jim. And let me mm. tell you, it was the best steak I've had probably in five years.
2: Mm-hmm. In
0: on Walt Disney World property, it was delicious, perfectly Remarkable. cooked. Not only that, but Jim, this mm. twenty ounce steak, like it fed three people.
2: Yeah, uh, and we had leftovers. We took that home. One yeah. of the girls took that home. Yeah. Wow.
1: You know, I've always heard that Shula's is one of the pricier places on property. So no, 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 not anymore. It used to be, Mm -hmm. be. Um, but
0: they've um, made the menu less kitschy and the prices are extremely competitive. Like I think my 20 ounce ribeye Mm -hmm. was $51, which is, and it was a prime, Mm -hmm. which is a really good price for that kind of steak again, is. it was delicious. Now, obviously, you're paying for the sides and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but two? these
2: are huge. The sides are huge. Yeah, all yeah, yeah.
0: No, no, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah.
1: Wow. Oh, but uh, seriously, how long has Spaceship 20 been open and it's already taken a dive? It's only been yeah, months at this point, it's right? Not, right? It's
2: not good. Skip it. Holy Like I,
0: I went um, back in...
2: Hmm. It. I, went, I don't know.
0: I went back in January and I thought it was... Just okay for the money mm-hmm. at uh, the uh, at the time. So, oh, sorry uh, my my ribeye, which is twenty two ounces, was seventy two dollars. Sorry, but still completely in line with the price the quality. Absolutely it, fine. All right.
2: Yeah, we, we didn't uh, eat anything else on the table. Any of our other main dishes like that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. The funny thing was, we're so we're getting ready to uh, to leave, mm-hmm. and we had asked the waiter to keep the bread. On the table throughout the meal because the bread was really good, mm-hmm. and at the end, the kids that we were with, who were, I mean, they're kids, Jim. They're they're, you yeah. know, they're, they're hungry all the time, right? The waiter said, uh, "You know, hey, do you guys want to take the bread home too?" And of course, the kids are like, "Yes, mm-hmm. I'm taking the bread home." The waiter actually gave them each their own loaf of bread to take oh.
2: home. It, was, really it nice. was fantastic. And okay, so the chef there, Antoine Ellis, obviously a genius. Whoever the saucier is, though, that yeah. works at Showmas deserves like do they do like Pulitzer Prize for sauces? I don't I, know. I think
0: they do, yeah. They yeah. should. They should new
2: category because the the sauces were it was all so good. But we ate your steak and I had like a a four pound prime rib on my plate that was Yeah. Like McDonald's next to yours, so and the prime the was good. But okay, all everything right. was good, but compared to yours, it was not so. Uh, to your the listener question, I Sean. would if you love your wife and you want to stay married, don't go to 220. Yeah, I would.
1: So, Citrico's and Chulis, Space 220 opened September 20th of last year, it's been less than four and a half months. And didn't they make a big deal about how the A list of servers and all of those folks yeah. were going over to, to launch that place? How could that be? happened how could you slip that badly it's, and-
0: it's very expensive for for what it is and I think that's uh that's part of it. so I'm looking at the uh, the surveys we've got uh two hundred and fifty surveys since it opened so again mm-hmm. uh, on uh, in september seventy seven percent thumbs up which is significantly below average
2: day one they were rock stars I mean yeah. I couldn't see enough good things day yeah. one they treated us right day one but then they did everybody else dirty after that
1: Oof.
0: yeah I think okay. that's uh, I think that's what it is. All right, on to the uh, next question from Stacy, who says, uh, Genie Plus seems a bit disastrous and less than helpful. I hated it in December using it at Magic Kingdom in the studios. I found myself mad at the system for the lack of lightning Lane availability in a timely manner. And ridiculously, I still haven't been on Slinky Dog Dash. Anyway, standby lines seem to be longer than they were with FastPass, yet lightning Land reservations are harder to come by. What's the difference? And why does this program seem so much less efficient and helpful? Alright, so I, I'm not sure that the the lines are longer than they were with FastPass, um, but the Lightning Lane reservations are definitely harder to come by. And I think um, those two things are related, uh, Stacy. For one thing, um, Disney's not dedicating as much ride capacity to Lightning Lane as they did with FastPass. Uh, um, in the old days, FastPass was like 75% um um, for 70% of a ride's capacity, lightning lane is significantly less than that. My guess is it's 25 or 30%. I think the the thing that you're seeing now, though, that's making the the lightning lane lines seem longer is Disney seems to really want to keep the weights in the lightning lane lines at a minimum. So whereas before they would take, you know, four people from the fast Pass line for every one that they would take from the standby line, uh, it's possible now that those ratios are much much higher, like nine, 9 to 1 or 10 to 1 instead. And so that's what you're seeing there.
1: This is both the blessing and the curse of social media. I remember just yesterday, the caption of their post was, this is the longest lightning lane line I've ever seen for the Haunted Mansion. But it's one of those things where I want to know, okay, so what's going on in the park at this point? Did the mansion go down? It's a Monday is it a high capacity day? The problem is these days that the stories that are out there about Lightning Lane are so negative. We're just not getting as much positive response from the people who are, you know, I paid the money, but man, we got right on the thing. So yep. I'd love to have a little more info about that. Sure enough,
0: fair enough. By the way, I went back and looked at the uh, surveys and over the last uh, 90 days, mm-hmm. Space 220's reader satisfaction rating is uh, 75%, so even lower. So, uh, so Chrissy, to your point, it started off strong and then faded, which we've seen at a lot of Disney, um, restaurants. Mm-hmm.
2: This, this one more so than anything else I've seen in the last three years. Like yeah. I, I'm just bitter. I'm <laughs> very unhappy about it.
0: All right. Uh, here's a, uh, a listener email from Julie who says, I'd just like to add my voice to what is likely a chorus of listeners after today's episode who are demanding specialized lenses to protect us from the LEDs and a show with Corey Hart singing sunglasses at night in front of Spaceship Earth. Can you imagine the masses of 80s children in neon who would show up for this? You guys know, yes! you guys know people who can get this done, right? We do now, Julie. We do now. Oh.
2: Yay! Yay! I'm there. I'm going.
1: Okay. okay. Well. How is, how is this not part of the Garden Rock series for Epcot? Gosh. Okay, well, if you listen carefully, you can hear the frantic scrawling in the background. (laughs) Exactly. So, so (laughs) give me Corey Hart's agent. There we go. All
0: right, this is an idea that has legs. Mm -hmm. And uh, likewise, a uh, an email from Andrew who says, "We need to talk about Bruno." Jim, do we talk about Bruno on the show? We don't talk about Bruno. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno. But seriously, Andrew says, uh, "How fast are Imagineers changing that long-rumored Brazil pavilion for Epcot to Colombia?" We all know Bob Chapek can't resist how huge of a hit this is. Unlike Frozen, even boys and parents like this movie. Jim,
1: I suspect we're going to get variations on this for the next couple of years. We are, but I've been hearing from friends who who work on the entertainment side of Walt Disney World that, mm-hmm. especially just this past week, where we don't talk about Bruno, but Bruno became, became the best-selling single recording in the country. You know, it's at the top of the charts everywhere. Yeah, Entertainment is now looking back to the playbook. That came when, remember, Frozen arrives in theaters in November 2013. It was the little train that could. It kept going and going and going. And so it was the summer of 2014 where we got the Frozen Summer Fun event that was held at the studios, which had, you remember the premiere theater back in the, the streets of America, the, the little black yeah. box theater? They did what they thought was only going to be a summer-long Sing It was thrown together quickly. It was cheap as hell. But the for the first time in forever, the Frozen sing-along, and that wound up being the most popular component, which is why l- less than a year later, that show, and, and let's remember, it also had to move out of the premiere theater because you're about to start construction of, of you know, Galaxy's Edge, but they moved that into the theater that previously it had housed, uh, American Idol. And there's been a number of folks who suggested, well, we could move it into the Frozen Forever After theater. And it's like, no, that's still popular. And we do have the Voyage of the Little Mermaid theater that's been sitting empty.
0: Right. And that's not coming back, right? We don't, we don't, nobody thinks that's coming back.
1: The thing that the folks at entertainment have come up against is when they talked about, well, okay, could we put an Encanto show in that theater? The studio actually pushed back and said hey remember may of 2023 we have our live action version of the little mermaid coming out which has by the also has brand new songs by lin-manuel miranda so the notion of what if that hits We're going to want to capitalize on that as well. And that's already a space that's been dedicated for Mermaid. So long story short, they do recognize that this is good stuff, that it needs some some park to go into. But the question is, at least at Walt Disney World, well, if the studio is off the table, where can this go? Because frankly, if we're talking about building a new international pavilion at World Showcase, that's three years, Len. Yeah. Easy and in the the style of Frozen opens in November of 2013, and by the summer of 2014, they've got something going on in the parks that that drives attendance, especially on the heels of the fiftieth underperforming. The whole notion is, like, okay, where can Encanto go and how quickly? So I'm hearing they're definitely eyeballing uh, Epcot. I've been hearing they're also eyeballing Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom for for, mm, for an I mean, Encanto show, for, you know, and I want to start here, an Encanto temporary show. Well, inv- you know what? Okay, so here's
0: an idea, Jim. Here's an idea. I'm going to combine it. It's a little synergy moment here. Okay. You get giant inflatable balloons like the <laughs> Encanto characters.
2: No. What <laughs> with the balloons, Len. Nope. <laughs> Back up.
0: There we go. So.
2: Nice try. <laughs> right.
0: no. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. Okay. So uh, now we come to that part of the show where we turn it over to Christina and talk about what's been going on with food and such around the parks. So Chrissy, you've been at Festival of the Arts for the last month or so. Why don't you tell us what you like best at Festival okay. of the Arts?
2: Wait, let's talk about Let's talk about what we should avoid, and then I'll tell you all the good things because there's so many good things. Okay. And the Encanto booth is the best booth. It's brand new. There's no arep- arepas. Am I saying that? Right? Arepas, Probably. yeah. Sure. Her mom makes. Yeah, they're not there. But everything else is so good. Oh, it's wonderful. It's it's beautiful. However, let's talk about we didn't even go to Italy. This is the very first time. I just couldn't make myself even to use your money to go to
0: Italy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know you're desperate. When you when, yeah. when people are wow. willing to spend my money. Okay, things. I
2: didn't. I was. I didn't even want to pull out the corporate card. It wasn't worth your money.
0: Amazing. And I'm
2: going to tell you, France, right behind them. I might break up with France on the next festival. Everything got smaller and all the prices are around $10. And this is supposed to be like tasting prices. Mm-hmm. So the brie and bread, yep, yep. it's like the size of... A teeny like a biscuit. And it used to take up the whole plate. you'd be like, give me all the bread. Give me all the cheese. Mm. No. It's like a roll now. It's not a little loaf of bread any longer. Really? Yeah, it's still $8.50. So in general, even if the prices didn't change, the sizes definitely are decreasing.
0: Uh.
2: Yeah. But we still were able to come up with our like best $50 that you can spend at the festival. Okay. Okay. But I had to give you my disclaimer that I broke up with Italy, done, didn't even stop, looked at the prices and was like, no. And there's one other dish that I cannot speak on because I just couldn't make myself eat it. And (laughs) it was, no, I couldn't. It's the pate at the craftsman's courtyard. It was gray. I wear gray. My soul is gray. (laughs) Well, I will not eat gray food, and the fat was congealed on the outside. And I know this is how oh, you good.
0: showed me a picture of it. It did not look appetizing. I mean, I like pate. I'll, I'll eat pate, oh, like when shit. it's on a charcuterie board, or I mean, I don't even eat foie gras. I mean, it, when it, you know, contextually, every once in a while, it's a good thing. You showed me this picture of it, and I was like, this is the least appetizing thing I've seen. in
2: there are no filters to yeah, make this in a long look
1: time. Better.
2: Yeah, and I love caper berries.
1: It's so interesting you you mentioned this because I want to say it's within the past week to 10 days. I want to say the Starbucks at the Magic Kingdom introduced an iridescent cinnamon bun. Yeah. (laughs) which you, you take the glitter or whatever it is and throw it on top of it. And again, same thing with the icing. It came up gray. And it's just one of these things where there's just something about a gray breakfast pastry that it's like, I'm sorry. I can't bring myself to bite into this. Mm-mm. So yeah. yeah, you're right. But again, the, the irony, you go to be our guest. It's like, try the gray stuff.
2: You know, just sort of like, oh, yeah. Because yes, yeah. it's icing and it's uh, delicious. But this is gray fat. And I just, oh, I just... <laughs> I couldn't. It, it was there and I took <laughs> pictures and I was like, hey, I get fired. I get fired. You know, I'm going this this is how it ends. Oh, well. okay. know, It was super fun. Okay. <laughs> it was super fun. So I can't speak on it because I refuse to eat it. And bless the blogs out there that were like the light. Touch of gray fat on top was the perfect. Con- no, nope, no,
0: it wasn't.
2: And you're a liar, and I don't trust you now.
0: <laughs> All right, fair enough.
2: But the, the best booth in Kanto for the savories, and then my most favorite booth that you have purchased um, stuff from now like five times. You know, from mm. research is sure. Deco Delights. Okay. Okay, and so they say it's sweet treats inspired by Art Deco from the gilded jazz age to the pastels of Miami Beach. Now, I don't know what that means. I just know it's cheap. Everything is $5.25 or under. The servings are enormous, and they are gorgeous. They're like tiny pieces of art that are desserts, mm. and everything is wonderful. The Valrona chocolate is the single best sweet thing in the entire festival, and it's stunning.
0: Oh, is it? Okay.
2: It's stunning! It's absolutely stunning. There are no dome cakes present. It's all just beautifully done, tiny art. And again, I've tried it four times to make sure the consistency and the quality is there, and it's it's the same. Oh, thank goodness! But we have coming up now, so we're I'm already looking ahead to Flower and Garden that starts March second, and that runs through June.
0: Yeah, that's a long time. So, what, the, uh, so that's uh, March 2nd. So, you're actually going to have to leave. This brings me up to my other point. You're going actually going to have to leave our Galactic Star Cruiser stay. That's bad. A little bit early to go cover Flower and Garden.
2: Yep, I'll be here all day. And then I have to come back for the dinner of Cordelia or whatever the hell it's called. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: and how's your backstory coming along for the Galactic Star Cruiser? I think we're, you have know, like a 10 page uh, manifesto.
2: You know those sharks Jim was talking about? Mm -hmm. If I could trade you and go swim with the sharks for 20 minutes and not have to memorize a back. I fall asleep every time I start. And Brooke is a brilliant writer. Mm -hmm. She is talented. She is a lovely human being. But it's like a buzzsaw goes off behind my ear. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I just can't.
0: All right. Well, I am lo- I am also looking forward to it. Jim, did I tell you? Um, Content redacted. Did you? Oh, right, we'll okay. talk about it offline. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about okay. it. I
2: didn't know that. Okay, you got to call me later, so Okay, I'll call okay. you later.
0: All right. Okay. okay. All, right. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back. Jim continues the story of Epcot's Communicore, which closed on January 31st, 1994, to make way for interventions. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, before we begin the section on CommuniCore, I was reminded during the break that we forgot to talk about Chrissy's stay at a grand villa at Disney's Riviera Resort. Now, this is something I've actually never done. But Chrissy, you have. How was it?
2: My standards are different now. now, (laughs) My whole entire life. So, okay, this was a gift from one of your listeners, Morgan. Yes,
0: Yes. thank you, Morgan.
2: Hmm? She is now going to be... Gigi's godmother we have a- <laughs> Gigi's I've, been, I've,
0: I've been replaced okay. Oh,
2: man. okay so east elevator when i found out it was a three-bedroom grand villa i was like cool cool you know i've seen the i've seen some of the grand villas before i'm like disney jaded i love everything but it's all you know cool no nope you walk up and you're on a separate section of the hallway you go up the east elevator and on the ninth floor i pressed the doorbell, and I hear Lumiere singing, Be Our Guest. And I was like, hey, this is about to be cool. We walk in. Gigi starts running around. It's bigger than my current house, so. <laughs> it's,
0: it's right bigger than the house. It's bigger than the house you and I grew up in.
2: Oh, my, please. <laughs> absolutely. Like, double that. All right, fine. So it's gorgeous. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. It has real furniture. I could not find one fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Like, that's oh, – I'm in hotel rooms all the time, right? I do that for touring plans. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for, like, is there schmutz on the wall? Is yeah. there – Is you it know, clean? I'm, Does I'm
0: everything work? Is everything where absolutely. you expect it to be? Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I'm checking out the date of the sheets, all that stuff. Brand new sheets. There were no paint chips. I didn't see any fingerprints on any of the stainless. Okay, it's absolutely gorgeous. Three bedrooms, three bathrooms, three full bathrooms, and three balconies. Fine. Wow, That's
0: three cool. balconies. Wow. Okay. Uh-huh.
2: It's directly under Topolino's. I think I've done like four posts on this on Instagram, and people are probably sick of it, but whatever. So from the primary bedroom which the bathroom just the shower honestly is as big as my current bedroom
0: because you, you Instagram lived with me and we went yep. into the shower and the shower was big enough to where it caused an echo
2: you could have a car there's a rainfall uh, a shower head that's one of the two shower heads and you're still you still have like a lot of room to be cold and there's like mm-hmm. a whole bench it's ridiculous fine so it's absolutely gorgeous there's a bubble jet tub Gigi took like six baths <laughs> She literally cried when we had to leave, like cried like I was telling her puppy or something. Just it was bad. But the view, that's the whole reason to stay here. Oh right. You have to request this. I we actually had uh, one of your one of our subscribers mm-hmm. said she changed her most recent room request to ask for the specific it's room eight nine nine zero. Because the view from the primary bed, you can lay in bed and see the fireworks. From Epcot.
0: Wow.
2: You can lay in bed. (laughs) You can see them from two of the three balconies. And then if you just want to sit in bed and it's too much and you're exhausted, you can see all of the fireworks and you can hear the audio if you open your balcony door.
0: That's nice.
2: It is stupendous. And then from the third balcony, which is the other bedroom, you can see the sunrise. Oh. I did. It's the single best room I've ever seen on Disney property, and that includes the Polynesian Villa. That makes that look like my current bedroom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's trash compared. There's no other way to say it. It is. It's remarkable. And and when you factor remarkable. in
1: that this opened in December of 2019, now mind you, again that we did have. The pandemic, you know, and I think the resort was closed during some of that time. But the fact Mm -hmm. that it looks this good, this new, in that space—that's three years on you, two years and change on you. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. and it's it's been—it's been—it's a relatively small resort compared to some of the uh, others at Disney, but Mm -hmm. it's been pretty popular with the DVC crowd. Like every time I go, it's fairly full. Um, There's so, so
2: much to do. You yeah. can play bocce, cornhole, chess. There's gelato at the pool. There's two pools. There's two spas. There's a splash pad. There's movies under the stars. Ah, uh, like the best food.
0: Yeah. I really like Primo Piatto. I think that's a, that's a great uh, quick
2: tubalinos. service. You can go up to the bar. I mean-
0: <laughs> Jim Christie was uh, was uh, uh, Facetiming me, and she was trying to yell up to Topolinos for to have people pass her voice <laughs> over the side of I wanted to forget
2: the- Tony, honestly, but that was so rude. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kept telling Gigi, I was like, "Let's go to Topolinos. It's five o'clock. Let's go. Let's go. We're gonna go upstairs. We're gonna sit at the bar." Mm-hmm. Mommy, I am not leaving. So I had to go downstairs, and I had to get food to go. She wouldn't leave the room, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to go to sleep because she was afraid she was gonna miss something.
0: Yeah, me
2: too. It was adorable. Fantastic, wow. best. So, pretty much everywhere else that you want to send her from now on, she's just not going to go. So,
0: <laughs> I get it; I totally understand. And that's really the uh, the style to which she's become accustomed. So, I understand.
2: Well, me too. Now, so you've got trouble, but yeah, room eight nine nine zero Riviera. Put it on your room request on your touring plans.
0: Cool. Room there request. you go. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, I've got to stay at uh, Swan Reserve coming up, so that'll be it too.
2: Yeah, Swan Reserve. All right.
0: Fantastic. All right. Thank you for the Chrissy. All right, Jim. Back to Communicore Mm. So, when we did part one, we were talking about how the Disney's original idea was to have Communicore and Epcot be themed to Tron. This was before the movie came out?
1: Well, it was one of the things that was on the table, the Tron Arcade. We pulled a lot of the stuff we were referring to on uh, last week's show out of the spirit of Epcot Center training material. This was the stuff that had been assembled out ahead of the opening of Walt Disney World's second gate. And it was describing to the opening team what was going to be inside of this theme park because nobody knew what an Epcot was at that point. So people so seem to enjoy the spirit of of Epcot Center, which, by the way, you can read all 180 pages if you go over to the DIX website. Uh, You know, the folks who actually collected it and scanned it all in. But I thought, given how much people enjoyed that, I would dig around and see what other material I could find that had been created prior to the opening of Epcot Center. And I came Mm. across this amazing interview with George Rester, He's the longtime Imagineer who designed things for the parks like the uh, Carousel of Progress Theater that was built for Disneyland Park rather than the one for the New York World's Fair. So George, in an interview that was done in in late 82, Epcot had had just opened at this point, talked about the challenges of designing Epcot Center. He starts out by saying Epcot Center was the departure from any other project that Walt Disney Imagineering had ever done before. Take for example... Future World show pavilions, they had to make a statement. So they had to be so they were done on a grand scale. Whereas okay. over, over at World Showcase, we went with a more traditional theme park group when it came to our design choices. We deliberately kept the scale of the, the show building smaller, more intimate, as well as making use of distinctive internationally themed facades facing into World Showcase Lagoon, as if to say to the guests, of, okay, now you're visiting Mexico, now you're visiting Germany and Japan. But when he gets to Epcot, or excuse me, a uh, CommuniCorps, he says, mm-hmm. oh, I must have gone through a dozen different designs while I was working on that part of Future World. It's like, what made CommuniCorps hard was, well, it had the tie into Spaceship Earth. And as soon as you looked at the thing, it had to get across the idea that this part of the park was modern, but also welcoming. Huh. Because this part of Future World had to provide exhibit space for potentially dozens of sponsors, well, it had to be flexible. That's why the ceilings were so high inside of CommuniCore, so that they could then accommodate any size exhibit that the imaginators might eventually have to install in this space.
0: That's interesting.
1: George goes on to say, but at the same time, remember, we wanted CommuniCore at first glance to seem inviting, welcoming, but still futuristic. That's why we decided that these buildings should be made of glass so that as guests looked into the buildings and took them up to decide if they really wanted to go into that part of Future World, through the windows, they could see the vista of Epcot Center stretching out beyond Communicore. This detail was hiding in plain sight the whole time, never realized it. But he goes on to say, that's why we dropped the floors inside of Communicore down by 30 inches. We wanted the guests outside to be able to see over the heads of the guests who were inside, out through the windows to see that impressive future world, you know, all the future world pavilions that, that surrounded Communicore.
0: So the, um, so the floor of Communicore was down
1: 30 inches, almost, almost three feet, well, uh, feet. Yeah. Huh. Think about the, the, the amount of times that you stepped down as you went into Communicore and never occurred to you, you're doing that so the people outside can look over your heads. Can wow. see the exhibits inside and can see all the future world pavilions, you know, beyond. We also built Commutacore with expansion in mind. Just like there was a plan at one time to add eight new international pavilions to World Showcase, there was also a plan that would have doubled the size of Commutacore without then ruining the view I just talked about. We thought once Epcot Center opened, countries and corporations would be clamoring to be part of this place. Really? Yeah. Eight more. Well, eight more international. In fact, eight what's pavilions. interesting- Eight you know, Around World Showcase pavilion, but they're talking about doubling the size of and but still protecting that conceit of you can look through the buildings and see the bulk of Future World and a chunk of uh, World Showcase just beyond you. Oh, that's interesting. When folks come back for next week's show, I also found from the spring of eight, uh, 1982 it's an article from the disney newsreel the disney newsreel was the in-house newsletter for all mm-hmm. employees who work for walt disney productions and this is the company's communication team trying to explain to its own employees what Communicore's message is going to be I'm just going to share a little chunk of this because I I want folks to come back for it next week. But when they're talking about the goal of future world, one of the key conceits is that this is a a generation of people who come out of the 1960s and the 1970s. And so this Mm -hmm. is the era of the science fiction films like 2001 A Space Odyssey, where hell tries to kill you in space or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) or or Planet of the Apes, where, you know, this like, by the way, humanity is going to end and the chimps are going to rise up. But here's the mission statement for Future World. Thanks to the rapid changes in the areas of science and technology, the future holds an exciting and limitless array of possibilities for the improvement of future life. But the sudden changes in somewhat formidable technologies can be intimidating for those who don't understand them. And this is the key phrase here, Len. And the future is sometimes anticipated with skepticism and fear rather than excitement. All the pavilions for Future World are designed to dispel some of that doubt and anxiety that people feel about the future. And CommuniCore takes that goal one step further by offering guests the opportunity to deal with advanced technologies on an individual personal level. The exhibits in CommuniCore are aimed at reassuring guests and making them feel comfortable with computers and other implements of high technology.
0: Wow.
1: So, you know, the whole notion is that the American industry hired Disney. It's like, you're going to bank remotely, okay? You're going to go up to a machine. You're going to put in a card. Money's going to spit out. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, the kid's college fund is still in there. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned it, but in,
0: in 82, relatively few homes had personal computers. I mean, they weren't they weren't ubiquitous.
1: Absolutely. When we talk about it next week, they keep hammering on that point over and over and over again to the effect of the, the World Key Information Service, the notion that you just walk up to this television screen and you touch it. And then suddenly there'd be... And, and that's the other thing, Len... This early on, Epcot didn't have cast members. They had hosts and hostess. They they touch the screen, and, and an Epcot host would be there, and it's like, "How can I help you? What restaurant can I get you a reservation in?" And please oh, don't ask I for this. You know, please don't ask for Space Two Twenty because you heard what Chrissy just said about this. You know what, <laughs> exactly. You know. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, but we'll get into all that and, and how, again, that just this relentless beat, drumbeat of computers are, are nice, are good, are fun. Though, I, I will tell you one other quick story here that tells you a lot about even at this point, they're second guessing themselves. Okay. You're ever smart one. Right? The little yep. robot. Yeah, SMRT1,
0: yeah, the uh, robot from uh, CommuniCore, yeah.
1: Okay, so this is spring of 1982, less than six months from the opening of the park. Care to guess what smart one was called back then?
0: The astutor Computer.
1: <laughs> no, Smart Alec.
0: Oh. It was literally right. Smart with
1: that. AL-X, and it was the notion of... Uh, you know, people are going to come up and when he beats them at a, you know, a numbers guessing game, they're going to think he's being a jerk. So it's like, no, no, no. We we don't want to call him smart aleck that that could potentially offend somebody. Let's call him smart one. one. There we go. Wow. I mean, it's things you got to consider, right? No, absolutely. But next show, we'll do it a deeper dive. And, and in a weird sort of way, Len, I have to thank you for suggesting that we get on this road because I have been reading about 1982 Epcot in depth for the first time in a year. I mean, 30 years, you know, no, yeah. 40 years, 40 years this year. And it really is, they were trying for something hopeful. They were trying for something yeah. ed- educational, entertaining, and if it had, it had worked, there were plans to expand all of this. So I mean, it was it was really ambitious, but to your point, it
0: was a look at how computers were already working in industry and society, and then how they would work going forward. So there was a lot of stuff about like, you know, here's how uh, here's how the nation's uh, transportation network works, which probably not a great theme park uh, offering, but you know, in, in terms of like showing people what computers already did. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it was ambitious for the day, Chris, You were this is before your time, right? Hmm.
2: I remember you talking about it my whole life. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> right, well, we'll leave it at that then. Not right. fair.
0: Okay. <laughs> I may might, I might continue to do so because I really like the uh, the whole exhibit. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes, including the second half of our story on Disneyland's flying saucers. On next week's show, we're going to finish up this history of Epcot's Communicore. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. Chrissy, where can people find you? And thanks for coming back on, by the way.
2: Absolutely, anytime. At Touring Plans. Instagram.
0: Instagram, at Touring fantastic. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who will be debuting his new collection of cashmere-lined high-visibility mining helmets right. at, the, at the 2022 North Idaho Safety Fest on February 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the North Idaho College Workforce Training Center in beautiful downtown Twin Falls, Idaho. While Aaron's doing that, please go onto iTunes and Radar show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.